Welcome to Watchmen on the Wall, a daily outreach of Southwest Radio Ministries and SWRC.com. We're ready to once again bring clarity to the chaos as we proclaim that God is still on the throne and prayer changes things. This week, Eric Barger will help us be fully equipped to disarm the powers of darkness. Jeff Kinley will share the details of God's grand finale. And today, Dr. Don Colbert will reveal the key ingredient to fighting memory loss, dementia, and Alzheimer's. It isn't in prescriptions or on natural treatments. Staying informed is important. Knowing what is happening and why it is important is vital. You can stay informed and know what is happening through the lens of Scripture with the resources found on our website, swrc.com. Timely books and DVDs from the top Bible prophecy teachers, swrc.com. More and more, science is proving that a healthy digestive system is the key to a healthy brain and body. Today's guest is here to share his knowledge about the gut-brain connection and how that knowledge can help you and your loved ones. We all are getting older day by day, month by month, year by year. Is it possible for you to reverse memory loss and reduce your risk of dementia and Alzheimer's disease? Well, I'm visiting with Dr. Don Colbert, he has been a board-certified family practice doctor for over 25 years. He is also board-certified in anti-aging medicine, and he's on the phone with us. He has a new book that we're offering. It's titled, Dr. Colbert's Healthy Brain Zone, Reverse Memory Loss and Reduce Your Risk of Dementia and Alzheimer's Disease. Dr. Colbert, thank you so much for being with us on the show. Well, thank you, Pastor Larry. It's great being here. Dr. Colbert, you have a special interest in the subject. Both your, your mother and father battled Alzheimer's disease. Tell us briefly about that and how you got interested, especially in this uh, specialization. Well, my father developed Alzheimer's disease about 30 years ago, and I watched my father literally lose his, uh, all his memory, every bit of it. I remember over 30 years ago when he would drive, he'd get confused, and he'd make wrong turns, and I'd say, Dad, don't you remember that you were, you know, just there or whatever, you know, the right way? And he forgot. Finally, he st- got worse and worse. Mm-hmm. He started forgetting words. He started forgetting sentences. He started forgetting people's faces. And mm-hmm. he started repeating himself over and over. And then he started layering his clothing, and he couldn't dress himself. He'd put on two or three pair of pants, two or three shirts. And he got more and more confused, and finally we had to put him in a nursing home because he would wander off and just get lost. And to protect himself, we had to put him in a nursing home, so he spent the last days of his life in a nursing home. And my father was a strong Christian. He loved the Lord with all his heart, and he would lead someone to the Lord almost every day. That was wow. his mission every day, to lead someone to the Lord. He'd always say, have you made your reservation to people, strangers that he would meet? And they would say, what reservation? He'd say, your reservation to glory mm-hmm. in heaven. Amen. He accepted Jesus. And I watched him literally lose his mind. I could do nothing about it, but I said, I'm going to find the key answers. Mm. And then about six years ago, my mother, who's had diabetes for about 30 years, started losing her memory. And she's in her upper 80s now. And it's because of her bad food choice. And I said, Mom, mm. you've got to give up this sugar. She loves sugar. 
she would not give it up. So she started losing her memory. So I had to put on some of these key nutrients to help preserve her memory, as well as key hormones that boost this brain-derived neurotrophic factor that restores the memory. And what I'm and now we've literally stopped it, and she's doing great. She's not wow. improving as much as I'd like, but because she's still eating sugar. You know? Right. Wow. There's like 35 major causes to Alzheimer's, but there's about seven to eight key things I'm seeing over and over that people are doing that they are literally inviting Alzheimer's into their brains because Alzheimer's and dementia are following our diabetes epidemic mm. and our obesity epidemic. Mm. And when you're obese, all that obesity creates all this inflammation in the body. It creates C-reactive protein that starts to damage our arteries and our brains. And just the foods that are inflammatory are the foods that most of us love, like cakes and pies and cookies and fried foods and anything deep fried and trans fats with ice, like icing on cakes and brownies mm. and all of the foods that we love that are in every dessert bar, that every cake and pie and cookie that looks so delicious, that is literally sowing the seeds of Alzheimer's and dementia into our brains. And yet our flesh has put a hook in our jaw, right. you know, there's a hook in our jaw leading us right to the dessert tray. Mm. And not just one, but two or three. Now, I can, I'm okay with having dessert, you know, at Mother's Day and Easter and Christmas and birthday, a little teeny bit. But to have it every meal, every day, or one meal a day, that's, that's destroying our brains. Mm. And people have got to wake up because it says in Galatians 4.24, those that are Christ have crucified their flesh with its affections and its lusts. And it's literally that that's leading us into Alzheimer's. And right. Christians have got to wake up, and we've got to be the leaders in this to get, get people out of this, our loved ones especially. It seems like many years ago we didn't hear much about dementia and Alzheimer's. Is, is there a rise in the incidence of those brain diseases? Absolutely. It's, in fact, it's supposed to be triple the cases numbers in the next 30 years because it's following the diabetes and the obesity epidemic. So we have more Alzheimer's today than we've ever had in the U.S. Right. Now, I have a good friend of mine over in Russia who's a pastor, and he says he, he's been passing there for 20, 30 years. He says he's never had one case of Alzheimer's there mm. because they eat so good. They eat off the land. They walk almost everywhere. And they get so much exercise and activity, such healthy diets, that they hadn't ever seen a case of Alzheimer's. Mm, so it's just we're un unfortunately inviting it in because when we have fellowship with one another, unfortunately, you know, churches, when they have new <laughs> members that come, yeah. they give them all these donuts and cookies yeah. and cakes and, and sweet coffees and things and just sets them up for Alzheimer's. You make a profound statement on page 181. You say Alzheimer's and dementia are not diseases that a person catches, nor are they infectious. They are simply the responses of a person's brain to the environment they have created. So just elaborate a little bit. I think I know where you're going with that, but I think that's a fantastic statement. It goes back to the choices where people are simply making the wrong choices over and over and over again. And as a result, it's like the seed and the sower. When you plant bad seed and tares, you reap a harvest of tares when we plant inflammatory foods, such as all the excessive amounts of meats that we eat, the excessive amounts of breads that we eat. All of these foods are inflammatory, as well as dairy. You know, the two most inflammatory type foods, two of the most common that we eat on a daily basis, are wheat and dairy. Mm. These foods are inflammatory to our GI tracts, and they eventually they create what we call increased 
intestinal permeability that leads to a leaky brain. The blood-brain barrier gets leaky and it's not able to keep out the toxins from coming in. So the foods that we eat are highly inflammatory and the foods that protect the brain are mainly healthy fats like olive oil and like fish oil and avocados and nuts and seeds. These are God-made foods that have powerful monounsaturated fats as well as EPA that protects the brain and the synapses. Mm. And so, again, it's real simple, and we find that when we eat a lot of sugar, sugar burns as a dirty fuel. And as it burns, it creates a lot of inflammation and a lot of free radical damage. And so what I try and get people to do is to shift over to a healthy, mild ketogenic diet that I talk about in this book and another book I wrote called Beyond Keto because it teaches you how to shift from burning sugar as your main fuel for the brain to burning fats, healthy fats, not butter and cheese and cream and all the unhealthy fats and red meat, but healthy fats that are brain healthy. You write a lot about a keto diet. Maybe you can explain that. Well, the keto diet is where we literally make a metabolic shift. Everyone goes into mild ketosis usually after you sleep for about 12 hours. Your body shifts from burning sugar to burning fat. And so when that happens, it's a very it's healthy for the brain. It's extremely healthy. When you're in ketosis, your body's making the most powerful protein called brain-derived neurotrophic factor that starts to repair and heal the brain. And so that's why we recommend, along with the healthy keto diet, intermittent fasting. But going back to your question on what is the keto diet, it simply puts in the right fuel mixture, Mm. about 60% healthy fats, only about 10% carbohydrates, and about 25% proteins. And I have the breakdown in my book, and it's beyond keto. And when you do that on a regular basis, your belly fat melts. Your energy comes forth and your brain starts to heal and repair. It's absolutely amazing what happens when you follow the ketogenic type diet. Most of the keto diets are unhealthy. I'd say 95 to 99% because they use lots of red meat, lots of butter and cheese and cream. All that stuff long term is not healthy. You want healthy fats, like the main fat that I consume is olive oil. Mm. I use olive oil on salads, on everything as well as fish oil, as well as avocado. If you're going to cook, you want to cook in avocado oil and not olive oil. Avocado oil's got the highest smoke point of all of any other oil at over 475 degrees, so it's the best one to cook with. Dr. Colbert, you mentioned periodic fasting. You, you mean part of a day? or Tell us a little bit more about that fasting. That's intermittent fasting, and Jesus actually taught us about fasting in Matthew chapter uh, 6. He says, when you fast, we're expected to fast. When he left, we were expected to fast. And intermittent fasting is where you fast for about 14 to 16 hours a day seems to be the sweet spot. When you do this, you increase this powerful brain-derived neurotrophic factor, and your body goes into what I call like a self-cleaning mode where your brain repairs and, and heals. You actually break down abnormal proteins and mitochondria and recycle the components into brand new mitochondria and new proteins. And you also remove beta amyloid and cellular trash and debris that accumulates as we age. Mm. These are extremely powerful methods to do this. Now, when you fast, what I do is I try and do it 14 to 16 hours every night. So I'll finish dinner around 6 p.m., 
and I will try not to eat any breakfast until at least 8 o'clock the next morning. Now, what I'll do in the morning, I'll get up, and I'll usually have my healthy tea, and I, you can have tea with a little stevia in there, and I'll put some cinnamon. Cinnamon also helps to boost brain-derived neurotrophic factor, as well as I'll use some of this jasmine green tea, mm. and I'll put a little lemon tea in there, three teas, along with a packet of stevia, and I'll sip on that, and then I, I can go many times 16 hours easily. I do that at least three to four days a week, oh. 16 hours. Wow. The other times I do it 14 hours. So 14 to 16 is the best. Now, if you have the Alzheimer's gene, and one quarter of the population has this gene, it's real important that you do the 16-hour at least three to four days a week. Now, I have a minor copy of the gene. The Alzheimer's gene is the ApoE4 gene. Any doctor can do it when you go in for your blood work, so you need to ask them. And I tell them in my book, The Healthy Brain Zone, exactly what test to order. And everyone should know this, because if you have a double copy of that gene, you stand a 50% risk of developing Alzheimer's in your 50s or 60s. So it's critically important, and I tell them exactly what to do so we can prevent that gene from being expressing two of the most important are the intermittent fasting and the ketogenic diet and the supplements and the hormones. And I go into wow. detail how to do that because we have prevented and reversed so many with Alzheimer's with this gene. Well, wow, this is amazing because we know several people who are suffering from memory loss and Alzheimer's and dementia and so forth. And it's a very, very sad affliction. It's certainly not like a heart attack or like uh, high blood pressure, which are serious, but to lose your personality and, and all of those things, it's amazing. Well, you have a section, a prescription for building your brain muscle. Now, it looks like you're basically saying stay mentally active, do puzzle games, start a new hobby, learn a new language. So you build your brain muscle by using your brain. Absolutely, and reading. I tell people, keep reading. Turn the TV off and read. The best <laughs> thing to read is the Word of God. And so, again, when people start reading, they're exercising their brain and memorizing Scripture. What better thing to do than memorize Scripture on a daily basis? Well, your book is certainly encouraging. We are not helpless, doomed to develop these problems. It's a fact. In fact, you write, quote, more than 90% of longevity is the result of your own choices, stress, sleep, exercise, food, and exposure to toxins. Less than 10% is genetic. So there is hope, isn't there? Absolutely, there's hope. And another thing all your listeners should do is ask their doctors for the homocysteine level. This homocysteine is a toxic amino acid that builds up in our brains when our brains are inflamed. And it's also based on genetics many times. And so if your level is 10 or higher, then you need to take the supplements I talk about that are inexpensive on how to lower it because most doctors don't realize the importance of this. This amino acid is very toxic and damaging to the brain. It'll damage the brain and destroy the brain if it stays elevated. Now, if you have the Alzheimer's gene, the ApoE4 gene, you need to bring this level down to less than 7 because, again, when you have the gene, you're more prone to brain damage. And this toxic amino acid builds up and damages the brain cells. It's inflammatory to the brain. So I tell them exactly how to do it when they read the book, The Healthy Brain Zone. Well, you also have 30 easy-to-make recipes for restoring balance and maximizing brain function. Tell us briefly about some of the recipes and what people can cook and make. 
These are simple recipes that everyone can make, 10, 15 minutes max. And it's brain-healthy recipes that combine just what I was telling you, a type of a healthy ketogenic type of a diet. For example, for breakfast, typically I'll have two eggs cooked in avocado oil. Remember, I don't cook in olive oil because it causes oxidation of the fats in olive oil. It has a lower smoke point. So you want to use avocado oil. Now, you can use a little teeny butter on your eggs to give it a little flavor. And then I use half of an avocado, and then I have my tea, and that's pretty much my breakfast. Now, sometimes I'll have a piece of keto toast, what we call it. It's a toast that's real low in carbohydrates. And I put my olive oil on top of that. And also I have about a quarter cup of berries, blueberries, which are extremely good for your brain, and raspberries. Those are two of the best berries that are high in these anthocyanins that protect your brain. And it's so interesting, too, is how nuts are so good for the brain, Mm, just like walnuts and almonds and macadamia nuts, but not peanuts. Peanuts are more inflammatory. But the nuts are extremely healthy for the brain, as well as the olive oil and the avocados and avocado oil. And those are the fats we want to focus on. So that's my breakfast. For lunch, I'll usually have a nice big salad, again, with lots of olive oil, with some grilled chicken on top or some other type of meat, the turkey, sometimes fish. I love salmon. And then dinner, I'll have something similar. And people say, oh, that doesn't taste good. You can make these recipes are delicious. Mm-hmm. And your, your flesh is addicted to sugar. And we teach people how to get them away from sugar and desserts and on the God's desserts, like these healthy berries that are absolutely delicious for you. And when you start eating these, your taste will change. And this hyper-sweetness will disgust you once you do this for at least three months, see. So it's just putting these, the correct fuel into our right. bodies that our bodies are designed to utilize. And it, in turn, not only protects your brain, but also your heart, your arteries. It protects you from diabetes. It protects you from every disease. And when you combine this with intermittent fasting, your body becomes disease resistant, mm-hmm. especially when you speak the word over your body. Dr. Colbert's new book, Healthy Brain Zones, Reverse memory loss and reduce your risk of dementia and Alzheimer's is available to order right now. This book will give you insight about the science behind the brain-gut connection so you can make wise and healthy diet choices. You'll select foods that protect your brain from cognitive diseases and disorders. Call today and order your copy of Healthy Brain Zone, 1-800-652-1144. That's 1-800-652-1144. Join Dr. Colbert as he builds upon the knowledge about the gut-brain connection to offer hope for preventing, slowing, and fighting memory loss, dementia, Alzheimer's, and other cognitive disorders. Order Healthy Brain Zone today. 1-800-652-1144. We now move from physical health to spiritual health. Here is Larry Stamm with some much-needed encouragement on how to effectively share your faith. Shalom, friends. Larry Stamm here. So glad you're taking your time to be with us as we continue in this teaching series, Serving in His Court, Biblical Principles for Personal Evangelism from the Heart of a Coach. 
In our last lesson, we talked about the servant's task to proclaim the gospel message, and we emphasized a couple of things regarding the the message of the gospel. One, it's a free gift, and we emphasized that it's a free gift, and that's good news. But the good news of the gospel message is predicated upon the bad news of man's depraved state, his corrupt position, his sinful state, apart from a relationship with God through faith in Christ. And we talked about the fact that when we're sharing the gospel message, we can't always expect a warm reception because human beings, when confronted with their depravity, sometimes don't take too kindly to that truth. I mentioned last time the quote from the late British journalist Malcolm Muggeridge, who put it this way, the depravity of man is at once the most empirically verifiable reality, but at the same time the most intellectually resisted fact. And that leads us into today's lesson where we are going to talk about the fact that the gospel is also polarizing. Polarization, it's a word which means that which evokes a very strong response, either positively or negatively. And that's exactly what the gospel message does. The gospel message, when appropriately shared and accurately shared, from the Word of God, will create a strong response when presented. Some are actually going to respond positively and receive Christ. Others are going to receive the gospel message and respond negatively. They don't want to hear it because conviction draws people to the Savior or it repels people, depending on how they receive the gospel message. The Apostle Paul put it well in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 18, when he wrote, For the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. Did you get that? Paul writes, The message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. So for those who are rejecting the gospel— For those who remain entrenched in unbelief, the cross is foolishness. But then he goes on to say later in the verse that, but to us who are being saved, it's the power of God. Remember, conviction brings about two responses. Those who will respond and receive Christ and those who will reject and remain entrenched in unbelief. I want to show you now and transition into a picture of, of saving faith. I want to start in John chapter 3. If you remember in John chapter 3, Jesus is speaking to the ruler of Israel, and he's giving testimony to this man named Nicodemus. We find this conversation, this fascinating conversation in John chapter 3, and we read these words. You're probably very familiar with John 3, 16, where the Word of God says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. But the previous two verses in John 3, verses 14 and 15, there we find Jesus giving testimony about himself by using an Old Testament illustration from the book of Numbers, chapter 21. Jesus states in John chapter 3, verse 14, in giving testimony to Nicodemus, Jesus says, And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man 
be lifted up, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Here, friends, the Lord is referring to Numbers chapter 21, verses 4 through 9, where the Israelites are judged for their unbelief. What does God do in that Numbers 21 passage? Well, he'll send fiery serpents among the people. And Numbers 21, verse 6 says that after God sends fiery serpents among the people to judge them, the word says, and they bit the people and many of the people died. When the Israelites then confess their sin, they cry out to Moses to intercede on their behalf and pray that God would take away the serpents. After Moses prays, the Lord provides a life-saving measure. In Numbers 21, verses 8 and 9, the Word of God says, Make a fiery serpent. This is the Lord speaking to Moses to communicate to the people. God says, Make a fiery serpent and set it on a pole, and it shall be that everyone who is bitten, when he looks at it, shall live. So Moses made a bronze serpent and put it on a pole, and so it was. If a serpent had bitten anyone, when he looked at the bronze serpent, he lived. I want us to see in that Old Testament passage Jesus is referring to here in John chapter 3. It's all about saving faith. That is the point Jesus is making in bringing up this passage from the Torah. The people are bitten. Many of them are dying. This is the judgment of God upon their sin of unbelief and rebellion against God. God provides them this fiery serpent. He tells Moses, set it on a pole. Whoever looks at that serpent in faith, guess what? They were healed. But the scripture doesn't clearly tell us, but we could, we could assume that there perhaps may have been other people who were not walking in faith, who were not willing to confess their sin and repent, and they saw, they saw what Moses was doing, but they heard the instruction and they said, Moses, we're done with you. We're not looking at this fiery serpent. If we die, we die. And perhaps some people who remained in unbelief died. But those who looked upon the fiery serpent, they were delivered from physical death. There, my friends, is a powerful picture of salvation. Jesus utilizes this illustration in John chapter 3 when he testifies to Nicodemus and he says, Nicodemus, let me show you an illustration from the Torah and then I'm going to communicate with you what it means to be spiritually saved from spiritual death. John 3, verse 14, Jesus said, As Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have eternal life. And then in verse 16, we know this verse well, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. So we see, friends, even in the Old Testament, we see a picture of saving faith, certainly a picture of saving faith from physical death. And now Jesus is communicating salvation from spiritual death. Hope this has been an encouragement to you. Next time, we're going to talk about who does the saving work of God in the life of a lost sinner. And until next time, friends, the Lord richly bless you and keep you. Shalom. Today's featured resource is the book, Healthy Brain Zone. Join Dr. Don Colbert as he builds upon the knowledge about the gut-brain connection to offer hope for preventing, slowing, and fighting memory loss, dementia, Alzheimer's, and other cognitive disorders. 
Call today and order your copy of Healthy Brain Zone. 1-800-652-1144. That's 1-800-652-1144. Or visit our website, swrc.com. Tomorrow, Eric Barger will begin a brand new series on being fully equipped to disarm the powers of darkness. Watchman on the Wall is a production of Southwest Radio Ministries and has been supported for over 90 years by faithful listeners like you. Visit swrc.com.